When it comes to hydration for my training and competition, I use PrEPT, the world's first resistant starch hydration formula. PrEP primes me before exercise and recovers me after, enhancing fluid uptake and minimizing fluid loss. PrEPT helps me run faster, longer, and stronger. It's my secret weapon and it can be yours too. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, PrEP can help you reach your goals and stay hydrated. In actual fact, I know the PrEP team are committed to helping any athlete tick off their bucket list events and say, what's next? Not never again. Visit prepthydration.com.au to try for yourself today. Prepped is the ultimate hydration for runners. Hi, I'm Izzy Bardoel and I want you to join me for a limited series on the past, present and future of Australian women's marathoning. The guests are Australia's best marathoners, with each of the seven episodes featuring an in-depth conversation with Aussie running royalty, from Benita Willis to Sinead Diver and more. We unpack their training, the ups and downs of their careers and what makes each of these athletes special. Today, I have the honour of chatting to the women's Australian record holder, Sinead Diver. Thanks for catching up with me today, Sinead. And uh, no worries. How are you, Izzy? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, we missed you in Nagoya last weekend. Yeah, I know you've I was been disappointed. To me. Yeah, but good to be getting <laughs> over an injury and just making sure you're back on track for the races that matter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I would have loved to have been in Nagoya, uh, but yeah, you, you can't pick when you get injuries. So I need to suck it up and just get yeah. it, like be smart with this injury and recover from it so I can get going again. You were telling me that it's the um, first bone stress injury you've had, so it's a different challenge for you to be working with. Yeah, I haven't had any uh, bone stress stuff before. So when I initially got this injury, I just thought, oh, it's just um, a strained quad. So I continued to run through it and it got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. But by the time I realised there was probably something serious going on, I was already in Maragami. So I was like, oh, I'll just take some Nurofen and I'll just get through this race. <laughs> Nurofen's going to help. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, um, to, hard to check was, yourself. Yeah, like it, it seems so stupid to me now. And we, we always constantly, everyone seems to continually make the same mistakes. But it's so hard to tell yourself when you're in it, uh, you know, you need to pull out and stuff. And I was there in Maragami. I was like, I'm just going to race and worry about it after. And yeah. Look, I think it's a pretty yeah, common pretty common mindset and it's amazing that you haven't had um, bone stress in your career so far. Like it's such a common thing that we yeah. deal with as runners and, you know, injuries are part of the sport and I feel like we're always kind of riding that line and when you're at your best, um, it's usually when you're also on, on the verge of getting injured. So just yeah, so something true, we deal with and I, I think, yeah, you'll definitely learn from it and uh, come back stronger for the races that matter. So, Yeah, hopefully. But is London off the cards, it sounds like? Yeah, so I withdrew from London about two weeks ago. Um, yeah. Nick gave me a call and he was like, Sinead, what are you thinking? And I was like, there's no way, you know, I'm going to be fit enough to to race the, you know, the race that I want to do in mm-hmm. London. I could probably go and run it, but I wouldn't be happy, you know, with a mediocre time. That it's not worth it. And yeah, look, there's so many races ahead that, that mean a lot more and, You've done London Marathon plenty of times, you know. It will be fine yeah. without you. Away, you'll be there next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure yeah. it'd be amazing. And I did. I did initially think, oh, you know, if I cross train really hard for like the next four weeks, 
I can get back into running, but I've done like a tiny bit of running already. And I am like, running is completely different. Mm -hmm. Like my fit, I feel really unfit, even though I've been training really hard, like twice a day cross training. But hopefully that will send to me, you know, in a few weeks when I'm, you know, back doing sessions and that. But at the moment, there's no way I could run a marathon. I think, yeah, look, your um, your fitness will kick in from all that cross-training, but the legs take some time to catch up. And um, yeah. certainly I think cross-training you can get away with for a 5K or uh, maybe even a half marathon, but for a marathon you really have to have done um, the time time on legs um, to feel prepared. Yeah. So I think it's a really smart decision. It shows that, um, you know, you're prioritising what's important at the moment. And I think, uh, yeah, we'll be happy to see you back in action when you're feeling a little bit better. <laughs> Well, I think we need to first chat about Valencia Marathon in December last year. You broke the Australian record running 2.21.34, slicing not just a couple of seconds, but 62 seconds off the previous Australian record set by Benita Willis in 2006. How did that feel? We all saw the video of you crossing the finish line. We all <laughs> wished we were there to hug you. You were just like hands in the air looking around. There's no one to like go, no, you did it. Yeah. How amazing so was that? It was really surreal, actually, um, because generally at the end of a marathon, there's somebody there that I know. Um, either it's like somebody else racing or, you know, someone at the finish line waiting for me. So it was really strange to finish this one, my most important one. And I, I was like, oh, <laughs> where is everybody? Yeah. Um, my sister was actually there, but uh, she was like in the crowd. She, she wasn't that couldn't get to the finish line so I found her afterwards and that was good and actually I bumped into Brady 12 fall as well and oh, good. he was really excited for me so that was cool yeah it's um, it'd be crazy just to be have achieved that and just people around you to like not really know what's going on for you but yeah. I guess there were national <laughs> records going down all around you so everyone's yeah. kind of probably like losing their mind and everyone you know it, it's just focused on their own race like nobody knows each other really in mm. a huge race like that and they're all just everyone's trying to get to the finish line and looking at their own watches and you know I had no idea what anybody else around me either had had achieved or if they were happy or sad with their performance so uh yeah no I was like ecstatic um it's something that I felt I would be able to do but I've had a few attempts at it and failed so uh to finally get it at Valencia was just I guess a dream come true really yeah, I think you said um, like 14 marathons, three attempts and, you know, finally producing that result on the day. We Anyone who's run a marathon knows that there are so many things you have to get right to get the performance that you feel like you like deserve from your training. Um, to have it all go yeah. go perfectly is amazing. Did you feel like that day everything went perfect perfectly? Uh, not everything. I mean, there's always something, but... Um, I certainly like I just went through I was just looking through all my marathons that I've done and it's like 15 pretty much um and every single one of them there's been something that has gone wrong almost so like and because the marathon is so long any kind of issue is magnified mm -hmm. like generally if there's an issue over 5k or 10k you get through it and it doesn't impact your race hugely um but in a, mar in a marathon it's just magnified just because of how long it is like if conditions are bad um there's nothing you can do about it and you, you're just not gonna race the time that you had planned um but in Valencia this year I got like for the second time ever I got perfect conditions 
I got perfect conditions for my first marathon in Melbourne in 2014. It was like the most beautiful day. And I remember thinking, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like that marathon was yeah. pretty, pretty good. You know, I didn't feel um, what I felt in, in subsequent marathons. Um, that one went really well. I got, I got lucky too, I think, the first one. <laughs> crazy enough. <laughs> yeah. But since then, you know, there's always been something and, uh, you know, but I guess I've learned a lot from those and for it all to come together in Valencia, I was delighted. Like, it, it wasn't perfect. Like, I didn't have a great night's sleep and stuff for various reasons. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think that didn't really impact me too much. Like, I felt fine on the day. I didn't feel tired or anything. So... And did you have a good, pretty yeah, good group to run with pretty much the whole way through or? Uh, in the training? At Valencia, in, in oh, that sorry, marathon, two, yeah. Two. Oh, um, there was a group, but uh, it was me and two other girls who were going with the pacer. And then there was a group of guys, but um, it was very congested, I thought. Mm-hmm. The pack, I'm um, used to running in women's only marathons or pretty much by myself so I found it really strange to be in a group so for a lot of it I actually pulled out to the side um because I I kept uh, freaking out that I was going to fall over because with a few knocks and tripping over people's heels and people tripping over my heels yeah. and I was like oh god I don't like this um but then uh when I think uh oh yeah one of the girls went ahead she wanted to go faster and one of the girls had dropped out. So then the pacer was kind of looking at me and uh, to, like trying to get to pace me rather than the guys that were with me. Yeah, so yeah. He made a concerted effort to come to me and say, all right, tell me if this is the pace that you want. So for from 20 to 30K, I had like a, a really decent pacer. Yeah, nice. Um, so that really helped. And then from then on, uh, the guys that I was with just sat behind me. As is sitting on a classic <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 and then I had a bit of a battle with this other guy he'd go past me and then I go past him again and I guess that was kind of good yeah it keeps it fresh. distracted yeah um but yeah I mean it, I would have loved to have the, had the pacer for longer obviously but yeah. I mean 30k is pretty good yeah it's so good so can you go through maybe a typical training week in a marathon block for you I know it's probably, I know some of the sessions you might say. Yeah. <laughs> so we do like pretty much the same uh, marathon block before every race. Yeah. It doesn't vary that much unless unless we're starting late or um, like when I did um, London after the Olympics, I only had six weeks mm-hmm. um, to do a build up and two of those were in quarantine. So my training for that block looked very different to what yeah. I normally do. Um, so, but for a normal block, I generally, uh, it's the same structure as throughout the year with, um, you know, speed session on Tuesday, midweek long run on Wednesday, um, usually actually threshold on Thursday, but for a marathon block, I do my marathon sessions on Friday and then long run on Sunday. So, and then the, the Tuesday sessions stay the same and, uh, threshold, becomes marathon sessions which looks something like four by five k um three by no six by three k all with like two minutes jog in between um so it works out generally around 20k or so mm-hmm. um and that's really the only difference and then of course like sunday long ones stretch out to two and a half hours yeah 
and the rest of the time you're just doing like 60-30 or whatever fits in around that? Yeah, pretty much 60-30, yeah, and then 90 on a Wednesday. Yeah, and what does your weekly um, like mileage come out to normally when you're in like the heaviest of training? Sorry, can you say that again? Your, your, what does your weekly mileage come out to when you're in like that big block of training? Um, it's I usually sit around 180k, but um, um, I've gone up to 200 uh, mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks during a, an intense block. Yeah, nice. But I wouldn't sit at that for too long. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. do you do any strength or cross training on top of that, or is it more focused on just like the running for you? Uh, I. Don't do any cross training generally, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of go in and out of doing gym work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Very inconsistent. One month I'm on, one month I'm off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I was better at that. Um, I think in a in a marathon block, it's usually one of the first things to go, um, just for timing and like energy levels yeah. for a lot of people. Pretty much for me, it's the timing. I just can't. I can't. I don't have the time to get to the gym. Well, I mean, you you work in IT full time, yeah. and you've got two kids, so it's juggling a lot. Yeah, and like if I'm going to scrimp on something, I'm not going to cut my runs. Yeah, out. so it's generally always gym. Yeah, um, and cross training. Um, we well, don't. I, if you're at that mileage, it's pretty good mileage. Yeah, it's really more but supplementing. I, I have been thinking about it since I've started since I've been doing cross training for the last six weeks because my injury. I have thought about potentially. Um, bringing some cross training into my regular training mm-hmm. but I'll see how that goes I'm actually yeah. already pretty much maxed out at the running so yeah. <laughs> I need a break from it yeah I really uh, like I, I really like, like a elliptical bike. yeah yeah bike elliptical yeah that kind of stuff oh, can I be nice I didn't the elliptical actually you didn't yeah right oh, I, I gave it one go I just felt really awkward on it do you know what <laughs> it's all about what elliptical you get like I've tried so many in any gym any like hotel I go to I always go into the gym and like check out their elliptical and like <laughs> like just get on it for like 10 seconds but it really can make a huge difference like oh, a good really? a good one versus a bad one yeah so I just got the same one Charlotte has and I love it but oh, I've tried some pretty okay. awful ones before you might have got a dodgy yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure what one they have in the BIS, but I felt like I was like sitting in a high chair. Oh no! I just no. felt really uncoordinated oh. or something. Stick to running in the bike. So I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll check out. I'll ask Charlotte to send me a picture of her one yeah. and see what it's like. And you, you listen to music, don't you? When you run a lot, AirPods in. Yeah, yeah. Um, generally, because I run solo quite a bit, because um, I don't like always go at the same time every morning depending on what's happening at home um I like listen to music or podcasts for um any of my easy sessions so obviously not for the harder stuff yeah yeah. um but yeah no I I would find even though I love running I'd find it really boring if I didn't have something to listen to or somebody to talk to uh you know during the run for like for an hour yeah it can get it can get boring (laughs) when you're doing 180ks a week and you know sometimes those just 60 minute runs are the hardest if you're just on your own. So putting in the yeah. AirPods is good. Yeah. I think we need to go back to the start, Sinead. Um, you've got a pretty unique career to go through. You're born, born in Ireland. You studied physical education and Irish teaching, and then you did postgrad computing in your, in your first life. And then you moved <laughs> to Melbourne, uh, in 2002, if I'm correct. Yep. Correct. And you started running in 2010, around 33 after you had your second son. You joined your sister's um, work, work team? 
Oh, so after I had my first son, Eddie, okay, yeah. So I, yeah, I had my first kid, and yeah, I started running. Um, my sister Gwanya lives in Melbourne as well, and she uh, was working with a company that um, they were doing the, this relay event around the town, and one person dropped out, and she was like, "I was just living really close to the town at the time," and she was like, "Sinead, can you come and run um, this relay? A relay like for us, we're stuck. We really need somebody." And uh, I was like on maternity leave with Eddie and I was kind of fed up of been in the house by myself for quite a bit. So I got my brother to come over and wind Eddie and I just went to the town and did a lap for them. And the first one, we, we it was really slow because we kind of were just messing, laughing and chatting, walking, going around the town. And then uh, one of the guys did it in 15 minutes or something. So I got really competitive with him and decided to do the following week, I decided to do like go hard uh, myself, and I I went quicker than he had, and then so there was, there was that comp- competitive thing going on, and I ended up like running, I think thirteen minutes or something like that, and he was like, "That's really good for someone who doesn't train," and he suggested I join a running group, and I joined the Crosby Crew, and uh, just ran there once a week. So I just did one session a week for ages, like for maybe two years and didn't really want to get into running because I had a, like a new baby and had enough, Colin myself and Colin kind of had enough on our plate. But then eventually started to sign up to South Melbourne Athletic Club and started winning some state races and kind of went from there. Um, yeah. I think I won my first national title. It was a half marathon. And uh, my coach, uh, Tim was like saying you're much better over the longer distances you should try a marathon but I wanted to get pregnant again so uh, Dara was born in 2013 mm-hmm. and then the following year I did Melbourne so that was my first marathon and yeah I qualified for world champs at that one so I think that went pretty when well I started yeah yeah well I, I looked started back to- I look back on your world athletics and um, I saw 2011 Melbourne 10K in 3547 and a 5K in 1708. And, you know, that's pretty good running for a recreational runner, um, but not someone you'd pick to break the Australian record 10 years later. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like I was running like once a week then, yeah. just on Tuesdays, like doing 6K. That was it. Wow. Like I did maybe ran twice, like easy job, a lap of the park for the rest of the week. That'll be it. And I know um, you said so, you've been sporty. Sporty in school, but not not a lot of running. Yeah, no running in school. Really sporty though. I loved like soccer and basketball, and uh, always really active. Uh, like when I was younger, um, we lived near the coast, and we, from start of the day, like in the summer months, from the start of the day to like dinner time, we were out like playing at the beach and swimming and running and climbing cliffs, and uh, always very very active. And then sport. Um, I was always very pretty good at most sports, but like at an like at a, a kind of an average level for everything, yeah. not great at anything. But I never tried running really until I came to Melbourne. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, your first half marathon, um, seventy six minutes in in twenty twelve, um, and a sub yeah, thirty sub thirty four sub thirty four Datapex. So you know you were starting to progress progress onto that national level and and running decent times but um it's amazing uh, over the next few years what you what you achieved and the jumps you made and yeah running yeah. that first marathon 234 it's a um a great debut back in back in the old shoes and 
a perfect day in Melbourne, you said, but still a fantastic run. Yeah, and I mean, like I like I was so naive when I ran that marathon. I didn't have like proper drinks or anything. I didn't have pacers. I just kind of ran by feel. Had no idea of what what kind of pace I should be going for a K. Uh, I just ran. Yeah, um, it's amazing so that night. That naivety, though, I think it, like, um, beginner's luck a little bit. You've got no idea what to expect, so you just kind of, like, when it's going well, you're like, oh, okay, this is this is all right. Like, this feels pretty yeah, good. Yeah, no, I think, actually, I spoke to somebody else about this. It's, it's a real advantage to, to be naive to certain things in the marathon because you have you don't overanalyze anything. You don't um, stress about anything before the race. You just kind of rock up and, and race it. And then the more you do, the more pedantic to get about things and everything has to be you know uh all lined up before mm-hmm. the race and you start thinking about those one percent that can make a difference and it can get a lot more stressful whereas I remember my first one wasn't stressful at all yeah it. it's amazing even just my comparison of the two um I was so blase the first one and you know <laughs> it, it really was an advantage um then you know once you kind of know a little more you really thinking about all the things that could go wrong and you know what's coming. So, yeah, it's yeah. interesting if we could all go back to that that mindset of just um, know, right? open to the yeah, challenge. Yeah, yeah. So you assumed you'd run for Ireland um, being, you know, born in Ireland and you had intentions to, but one month after this run, Athletics Ireland changed their qualifying time so that it was actually 45 seconds faster than what you'd run. That must have been yeah. a pretty big blow. Yeah, it was. I mean, I finished the race at Melbourne and this Irish guy came up to me and he said, you know, that's a qualifier for world champs. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. I, like, I, that wasn't on my radar at all. And I was so excited to think I could go to world champs. Like, it, was, it wasn't something that I had been aiming for. Um, and then, yeah, a month later, <laughs> Tim just sent me a message saying, have you seen that Athletics Ireland changed their qualifier? to 45 seconds faster than your time and I was like wow so it was just literally uh, to so that I couldn't go to world champs because there was nobody else who had qualified nobody else with a time or anything so um, I took it really personally Um, I was really upset by it and but at the time I was really upset by it but when I look back now at it I think okay well they just saw oh here's this 30 a uh, 37 year old woman who's run a decent enough time but she's not like she's 37 so she's not going to be any good so we don't want to put any funding into her mm-hmm. so rather than contacting me and finding out oh that was my first marathon and actually you know I was ba- I had barely done that much training for it like I was running 100k a week for that marathon and rather than find out my story they just kind of cut me off mm-hmm. um and then uh, Tim was like, "Well, you have the option to run for Australia because you have. I've never, I didn't represent Ireland before, so I'd never run internationally. And Athletics Australia gave me that opportunity, and I jumped at it. And yeah, so I've run for Australia ever since. Yeah, and which has worked out really well because you know Australia is home, and uh, you know it's always going to be home forever. So you know it's, it makes sense. I'm here now over twenty years." Yeah, I'm sure it, it feels right now, but I can understand at the time um, it would have been quite um, upsetting to yeah. have, that, have that really personal kind of feeling that you've been like almost like attacked and not given that spot. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that AA offered you that spot and it really um, 
projected your career from that moment and I guess you kind of went from like a a somewhat of a recreational runner to really an an elite runner at this stage making the world championships um yeah even I kind of feel not really even then like because um well on the outside people looking in (laughs) yeah (laughs) like you know how some years the teams are easier to make than others yeah and I think that year in particular it was the world champs were going to be in Beijing it was going to be stinking hot Mm -hmm. And, and not a lot of people wanted to do it. So I yeah. got lucky in that sense as well that that I made that team. Yeah. Um, and the qualifier at the time was like 2.45. Yeah, wow. So it wasn't that steep. <laughs> oh, things like, have changed. Long, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they've changed dramatically. So I was still very much a rec runner at that, at that stage. Um, and I think really... Um, I think really only after 2018 was when yeah. I started. We'll get to your breakout year soon, yeah. <laughs> really, it's a, yeah. It's amazing, though, that you say that. I was speaking to Sarah Klein and she was saying how she made the Commonwealth Games running a 238 and just comparing, you know, um, how the standards changed. And it's partly to do with um, just people get better and shoe technology improves, but also just, um, you know, people are just running faster and it's pushing the standard um, and people are just having to match, yeah. match those times. I remember Sarah making that team and I remember being really inspired by that because I had never, ever considered running like at Com Games or at World Champs or anything before that. Like we were mm-hmm. doing all the AB races and that and doing well, but I kind of didn't think beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when she made that team, I was like, oh, wow, you know, I'm always up there. What's possible, like, yeah. Yeah. So. And in 2016, you had some injuries maybe. You were still third at the um, Gold Coast Half Marathon in 73. Uh, second at Melbourne Marathon, but it, it looked like you, you weren't racing as much that year. Uh, 2016, so that was when we was on. Yeah, so I had, after I ran uh, at Beijing at the World Champs, I got injured like the week after, mm-hmm. and I was injured for five months or so. Um, I had like ITB issues and mm-hmm. like knee pain and just could not get rid of it. So I had like five months is a long, long time to be out. Definitely. So then that was kind of a building back up. But did you enjoy yeah. the did you enjoy the experience in Beijing? I know it was it was hot, but to run on the world stage. Oh yeah, no, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. We went to um we had our staging camp in Japan before it and yeah, I had the best time. Like just it was so relaxing and uh, all we did all day was run and like relax and eat and have great fun completely Um, different life to you after work working and yeah being around (laughs) your kids (laughs) yeah I was like this is so relaxing and then uh it was actually wasn't as hot as we expected in Beijing we thought it was going to be um in the 30s like high 30s and it was for the men I think and then we were on the last day and it was 25 maybe uh very overcast and like really humid um, but not as hot. Still pretty um, warm. Twenty two on the weekend felt still pretty warm. So hot to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, still, still warm and very humid. Like still, like a tough race. But uh, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'm hungry for more. Yeah, it would have been very special to have your your first taste of it, especially after not ever really expecting to to be at that level. Yeah, and then, sure. Uh, and- like I kind of thought, like leading into it, I thought, oh, this is my only opportunity. Like I'm not gonna get another chance to do it. But then uh, I was like, well, why can't I? I may as well yeah. try. 
what's possible um, now. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, like, it's funny to think, but I was 38, but I was pretty much like a junior at that point because I hadn't been training for that long. So um, I didn't really get serious about training till. I turned 40. Yeah. <laughs> sounds ridiculous. And I, I know, just, I know that can bother you sometimes, like people focusing on your age and, um, you know, you've, you've had magazine covers and you've been called the 42 year old woman and not by name. And it's, you know, it's pretty cruel. Um, but just because of your age, that's what people harp on about. But I mean, you are doing something that is, um, you know, abnormal, I guess, for, for that age group. Um, and, you know, you and Lisa and other women, yeah. in your, women in your forties are, are really changing, I guess, the mindset of what people think is the prime time. But as you said, you know, you started yeah, running sure. so much later, so your training age, it is different. You're at 37, you're a junior. Yeah, and it's funny because it, because I was 37 or 38, like people don't look at you like that. They think, oh, well, this is your peak or this is your max. <laughs> you're yeah. not going to get any better. But I had essentially just started. So, of course, I was going to improve and continue to improve. Um, and I think especially for women, I mean, like you see Lisa and Eloise, they've done running their whole life and they're still improving mm. um, now, like they're both over 40. Um, I think for women in particular, um, we're now we're showing that we've got longevity in the sport, and which is is great for women, especially if they want to take time out to have kids. Like in the past, you would think, oh, well, this is this is it now. My career is over if I'm going to have take time out to have a baby but now you can just uh you know you, you don't have it doesn't have to be like that anymore you, you can have longevity in the sport and you can come back at 38 40 whatever and like continue to to do well um, yeah so I'm, yeah it's amazing having like all of you women running at that level and coming back from kids it certainly um yeah it gives you hope that like for myself, I'm 27 and, you know, I want to have kids eventually, but it will mean taking, you know, time off to do that. But I'm not really worried about yeah, it. It's like, but then you, know, you just tack that time on yeah, the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not like you don't have to shorten your career. Yeah. You're, you're, you'll be extending it. It'll just go for longer. And whatever it is, yeah. but um, mum strength seems to be a serious, <laughs> a serious thing. Yeah. You know, it's the mindset too. Especially in marathons, which is which is interesting. But I mean, I didn't do a marathon before I was a mom, so I don't really have that comparison. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can like look at, you know, Jess and Ellie and Louise. There's so many like moms running, like excelling in marathons um, after having babies. So maybe it's a thing, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, but it can be challenging when, um, you know, you feel like people are just um, – talking about your age and, and not your times because while you're running, yeah, well, you know, world records for your age group, you're running Australian records outright. <laughs> well, that's why, that's why it bothers me. Like it doesn't bother me at all that I'm 46. I am proud of that. I don't care about it. I'm proud of being a mom. I'm proud of my age, but it's just um, when people continually go on about these like age world records, it really mm. frustrates me because uh, you know, I just broke the Australian record in the open age bracket in Valencia and people are talking about the 45 plus world record. I'm like, I don't care about that because most people are retired by the time they're 45. So if I'm not um, beating people who are retired for 10 years or more, then what am I doing? Like, don't other people aren't training as an elite athlete like I am. Of course, I'm going to 
of course I'm going to beat the, the record. And like somebody said, oh, she's beaten it by seven minutes. And I'm like, they're like, that's, you know, unbelievable. And I'm like, really? Only seven minutes? Like, <laughs> Only? Maybe I, go, maybe I need to go faster. Like yeah. that's somebody who, I, I'm not sure who's, who was the 45 plus world record holder before it, but she was likely retired for a few mm. years and she got, you know, 228. So yeah, you're in your prime. <laughs> yeah exactly forget the age yeah <laughs> or at least um, don't don't make it the headline yeah like when I when I raced New York Marathon um I came fifth I think but in the in the results in this article they were like they gave you know they reported on the top 10 but they left me out and then put me in the master's category oh. <laughs> it's like oh god I just came fifth in the major marathon and they're saying oh I came first in the 40 plus bracket yeah and I was left out of the open age results it was really it's just it's just frustrating that I'm not yeah that they focus on the age records which is not important in running at all Mm -hmm. like we never talk about age no results yeah yeah I know let's keep focusing on on the the open stuff and and what you're doing (laughs) yeah yeah so in 2017 you ran three marathons uh Nagoya 231 and you qualified for London World Champs which where you ran um 233 London 2017 looked like an incredible experience was that an amazing opportunity to be running there yeah I like I loved it um I went to Fontremont before that race for um some actually training and Charlotte was there at the time I actually didn't really know her that well then but we trained a little bit together and then in London uh, because it's so close to Ireland like so many people came over uh, to watch the race and support me so that was really good fun um I love that I had uh stomach issues in that race so it didn't go that well I mean it was okay but not great uh but still it was like a really special experience yeah I, I really loved it and being back at a world champs after thinking that um Beijing might have been your only opportunity um and then you're back there two years later yeah and I had kind of changed my mindset a bit then as well I was like um you know I don't feel any I felt fitter then than I had you know two years before that so I'm I I was thinking I'm just going to continue as long as I feel good and continue training and I'm not gonna let anybody else tell me oh just because of my age no you're too old to do this you shouldn't do it I was like well I'm just going to go by feel and see see how far I can get with this yeah, and I'm not sure when you actually joined the Melbourne Track Club and, and was coached by Nick, but at some stage in here, um, you know, you um, moved across. So it was after, um, it was in 2018. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I 20- just decided it was time. Like, I was going to training at a rec running group and I had lots of really good friends there, but everyone there was there for different reasons than mm-hmm. I was. Um, and I was just training by myself the majority of the time. So I may as well have just been training solo. Um, and so I really wanted to train with the group. And uh, so I asked Nick if I could come to Melbourne Track Club and train with them. And he was like, yeah, definitely. Um, I was really intimidated initially. Didn't think I'd be good enough, but um, I loved it. It was completely very different to what I had done before. Um but um, I, you know, made a lot of progress in that year just from training differently and training with the group. And uh, yeah, it was cool. It was, that was probably one of my, that was probably my breakout year, really. Mm-hmm. 
2018. Like I had, um, I raced domestically a lot. Um, I think I was un- unbeaten for that year in Australia until Zadopec. Oh, yeah. But uh, it, it wasn't Hitomi Nia. She, she beat me in Zadopec. So still unbeaten <laughs> yeah. by an Australian in yeah. Australia <laughs> for the year. Yeah. Um, but I, that was really when uh, training and changed for me. And I decided to really give, you know, running a proper go and yeah. focus more on it and try and be a bit more professional rather than just you know, doing it for fun and as a hobby. Did you have to change your, like, work load or, like, work, I guess, flexibility um, or other things in your life or was it pretty um, yeah. seamless? For for a while I was down to three days a week, um, but that was actually because because uh, I had the boys more so than for running. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, a, it was really difficult initially to juggle everything. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was so hesitant as well to put more into running. I just felt like I was completely stretched the whole time. Mm. Um, but after running 225 in Melbourne, I was like, oh, I could really, I could make the Olympics. Um, so I was like, I have to throw everything at this and mm-hmm. see if I can do it. And then um, got a bit more flexibility in work and uh, that was really helpful and actually since the Olympics uh, if anything um, my schedule is much more manageable now because work had given me even more flexibility so it's not like I work you know nine to five Monday to Friday I work like three days and I've got flexible hours so it's just made everything much much better yeah that's and great has allowed me to like fit in the training that I need to do yeah I feel like it's not even that you can't work and there's heaps of time in the day and um, you know, as runners, we can't, we can only run so much and train so much, but it's that flexibility of actually yeah. having, actually having like, having to be at work at set times and, you know, in the office, that's the challenging part of it. Yeah. Um, and COVID has kind of almost helped people in that way, break away from that mold of like nine to five and, and being in the office too. Yeah, for sure. So that was a big change for me as well. Like one of the best things that happened for me through COVID was that I could work from home. And so I'm still working from home. Um, so that's, I save like two hours a day on traveling in and yeah. out and getting ready for work. That's amazing. And that's yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. You can't get that time back. No. <laughs> yeah. And like with IT, like I, I can work, if I need to get something done, I can log in at 10 p.m. at night and do it if, mm. if I need to. Yeah. So I can run, you know, with the group on it. Uh, quality days like on Tuesdays and Fridays and Sundays and that um, much easier now than I could a few years ago mm. like a few years ago I don't know I look back on it now I actually don't know how I did it but you know how you can grind through things for a certain period of time like getting up really early getting your training done getting ready for work in the boys school and everything you know was really hectic um, but that you can only do that for so long I think um, yeah it's I'm not sustainable so grateful that I don't have to do it now yeah yeah. Well, yeah, that, that breakout year, like I know you said you you raced domestically quite a bit, um, but you also ran the World Half Marathon of Valencia, Gifu Half Marathon. You went um, sub-70 for the first time at Gold Coast Half Marathon, um, 69.53. You lowered that again at Sunshine Coast with 69.20 first place. Um, and then you won the cross, the sorry, the City Bay um, Road Running Champs. I was actually, I think I came fourth in that race, and you broke the record oh, there. So that. you you ran the um, yeah the record at the City Bay, 
you know, popping off sub 70 half marathons and then you go and break the Melbourne marathon record of 225.19. Yeah, that was, and that was a terrible day as well. Like, I win, win I, sideways apparently. Like, yeah. I don't know how you did it. It was awful. It was like so windy and got quite warm and everything. Um, but I, I was, yeah, really fit. I think actually since then, I haven't been that fit since, except for in the build up to Valencia. I was like, this is like similar to how I felt before Melbourne. Like everything was clicking and things were going right. And I, yeah, it was just, it's just a good feeling to feel that kind of fitness again. Because for a while, like after you go through a period of training really well, they often like have a dip and things are growing for quite a while. And you're trying to get back to that fitness that you had. And with my age and that, I thought, oh, is that, is that now in my past? Like, am I ever going to achieve that again? So it was great to feel that coming into Valencia. Like I knew I was going really well and I knew I was really fit. But that doesn't always translate into the race. No. You know, you can often be really fit and then things just don't go well on the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was lucky. I was glad it worked out. Did you feel like in that Melbourne Marathon um, you had a lot of confidence from, you know, breaking those records at the City of the Bay and, you know, running fast half marathons? Like you kind of knew, like almost knew what shape you are in because you, you sliced minutes off your PB. Yeah, that was the first marathon I did with uh, Super Shoes though as well. Okay, yeah. So, um, that helps but it doesn't you know, you know that helps a lot yeah and I also had like um pacers so I had uh Jack and Stewie yeah and yeah. Jack ran with me to 37k yeah that's huge yeah which was huge um and I would have had proper fueling for the first time ever yeah and, so you got you got yeah. the you know this the small things to, right like the pacers yeah. the shoes the the hydration the fuel yeah and so, and the weather was terrible, but you know you were fit enough and prepared enough um, that that didn't yeah, really so stop you. It was actually funny because it was actually pretty good for the first half of the race, and then it got really windy. Okay. Like it was a really difficult second half. But by then I was halfway through, and I still had Jack to thirty-seven k, and um, yeah, it was just one of those days. I was just in really really good shape. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing result. Like looking at the progression you made in that year is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I guess, yeah, that was for me is the start of, you know, me training as an elite athlete and doing things properly and mm-hmm. fueling properly and, you know, just been a bit more structured with everything rather mm-hmm. than just been, oh, running is just something I do for fun yeah. and not really taking it seriously. I'm interested how you're like, um, like how your mileage progressed from that 100k a week back in 2014, um, you know, over the course to 2018, like was it kind of slow progressions or did the jump to Melbourne Track Club really kind of like hitch up pretty quickly? Um, Might be I'm hard to answer a few years ago. <laughs> I can't remember, but I would have done it gradually. Yeah. Uh, like when I joined Melbourne Track Club, um, I wouldn't have, have jumped massively in mileage. I definitely would have increased, but by then I had been running long enough that I would have naturally increased anyway. Like yeah. I wasn't still just doing 100K. I would have, after that marathon, I probably would have gone to 120 and then 140. And mm-hmm. um, and and initially as well, when I was training with Melbourne Track Club, it was just, um, I wasn't doing 
focus on doing a marathon for the first few months, first six months. So mileage wasn't really yeah a big factor that important to me. Yeah, it was more about hitting the Tuesday sessions mm-hmm. and the thresholds and um, yeah. So I I don't know. I'll have to look back on that and see. But I don't think it definitely wouldn't have been a big jump. I don't mm-hmm. think. But usually, like focusing on running faster and just progressing the sessions is what you, what pushes you forward anyway. Yeah. Like just the Tuesday sessions, especially for me, was like a big change. Mm. Like running with a pack and running pretty intense sessions. Know, yeah, intense sessions. And Nick giving us times to hit and, and that. Like I would just before that, I'd just go to the track and whatever I felt. I just kind of ran to feel. I yeah. didn't. It was never about time. Like I was was never told oh hit this time or that time. It was just like let's just go hard. <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot different. Yeah, big change. Um, you lowered your PB the following year at London, so two twenty four eleven, and that that stood as your PB until you broke the Australian record last year. Yeah. Um, so that one, London, I actually wanted to go a lot faster than that, um, but I had gotten sick before it. So on the few days leading in, I was on antibiotics, mm. and uh, it was really windy that day in in London. So we had like a head a headwind for the last 12k mm. so I went through quite a bad patch um but I did I remember oh that was the one where I led the race through oh yeah halfway. I remember watching <laughs> a lot of stick for that from the commentators um <laughs> were you were but, you thinking uh, at that stage what's going on or are you just thinking uh, oh like, yeah I was so confused like I was not enjoying it for the first 5k I was like this is ridiculous what is happening have I gone the wrong way am I going way too fast like where is everybody um and I kept just kept looking at my watch going no this is this is the time that I wanted the pace that I was aiming for and uh like when the pack caught up to me and then they were like surging and slowing down and surging slowing down I was like this is not for me this is not how I want to race this this marathon and I remember um, Emily Sisson was beside me and I was like saying to her like this is too slow we were running 350s or something oh, and then we drop and run 308 like it was just ridiculous so Spotlight. I just took off myself and at that point after that I was fine with that because the alternative is to go in and do yeah like a far leg thing which will completely drain my legs and I'll have a terrible race mm-hmm. um so I just wanted to do my own thing yeah, sometimes you just got to like do what you know is going to be best for you. And that's the beauty of the marathon is like at the end of the day, you're just running against um, 42.2Ks and, and yourself and however the places end up, you can't yeah. really control that. And you still ran really well and finished and se- actually, seventh. Speaking of being naive and stuff, like I didn't, it didn't bother me in the slightest that I wasn't running with anyone or that I didn't have a pacer in that. Whereas now I think it might. <laughs> yeah. But now you know. I didn't care. I was like, I, I was trained by myself. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, you followed that with um, World Champs in Doha where you ran the 10K. So a bit of a switch from road to track that year. Um, and a phenomenal run, 31.25 at Doha. How was that track experience running in such a fast 10K? That was probably the most intimidated I've ever been in a race. Just walking out onto that track. Um, I just thought, what am I doing here? I'm not a 10K runner. This is going to be awful. And just when the, the gun went, generally when the gun goes in a race, like I relax and I, I kind of don't really think about it anymore. But it was just, I think the first couple of laps were slow. And then it just, it was just like this massive 
uh, like speed up and pace. And I was just hanging on for dear life. I felt for the whole, for the entire race. Um, like uh, I, it was a really good time, but I hadn't dipped under the Olympic qualifier mm. at the time. I was like, just whatever. Yeah. Half second point. Yeah. Or something. So I was disappointed after that one. Uh, but, but when I look back on it now, like that's, I like, I'm really happy with that time. Yeah. Like watching. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I experienced that. I'm glad I got to race a track race at a world championships. Um, you know, it was a really, it was a really good one to do because the alternative for that was the marathon and it was really hot and not, not a great, it wouldn't have been a great experience, I think. Mm. Um, so I can't imagine I will be doing a 10K at a world championship <laughs> again. So it's good to do it then. Yeah. And it sounds like, um, you know, in Doha, it was like, almost like air conditioned, like enclosed, almost like an indoor track. It was pretty good condition. So it's yeah, a good, good like, chance to do a fast race. Yeah, for sure. Because normally championship races aren't fast. Um, so it was good to knock those two things on the head in one race, you know, fast race and a world champs. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. And we had done like so much heat training before that, but we actually didn't really need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was quite nice. Watching um, watching you and Ellie and, and Camille, like, it was pretty cool just to see um, how well you got girls ran and and really like sticking it um, yeah at a, at a world level because we know the 10k can be so hard like these days you know yeah. be getting double left out there so yeah. yeah it was really cool to see you all run so well yeah and that was the thing like we had all been training in same race together beforehand and all of us ran really well so it was oh and Susan really, and Susan really too yeah 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 um and then later that year you did the New York Marathon and I believe that was the time you and Ellie had that famous <laughs> wrong, wrong diversion <laughs> yep that was Which so completely my fault yeah. oh, so funny <laughs> to look back on now at the time you might have been a bit stressed about it <laughs> yeah well I actually I just remember thinking like it was around the 3k mark and we had been following the lead car at the time and I was focused on the lead car. I didn't realize the blue line was on the road. Like I hadn't paid it any attention. And I was just looking at the car and we were coming up to a turn and the car went to go left uh, just to pull off. But I just presumed we followed it. We continued to follow the car. We were at the lead pack. And, but then everyone else went right and myself and Ellie <laughs> went left. She was just outside me. So she kind of was forced into it. And then we, everyone was shouting at us that we were going the wrong way and we had to go into under the tape and then oh. I didn't I missed the tape so I ended up like swirling around and nearly headbutting Ellie oh gosh <laughs> but you know we we did actually we were like oh what a disaster but then we did laugh about it in the yeah. race like okay. there and then we were like yeah. that was so embarrassing well I mean happening at 3k like you know you're not too yeah. fatigued yet you're pretty relaxed um you've yeah. got enough time to like yeah kind of laugh it off and, and get into it yeah, pretty, I did pretty funny my arm warmers and my gloves at that point, kind of yeah. to reset a bit, and I like <laughs> shot to the front again. <laughs> surge, <laughs> yeah, surge to the front. Yeah, yeah. Um, the New York Marathon looks amazing. I actually lived in New York for two years, and my mum did it twice, and so I've been out there on the sidelines before. And was that like, was that um, like a whole different level of um, people out on the course, or is London like pretty similar to that? I imagine too. Um. I loved New York. I yeah. loved the experience of it. just the whole buzz around the city in the in the week of the marathon, and then on the course was like super loud. And generally, I'm not really into that. Like often in a few races in Japan, when people are really loud, I can kind of it kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, but for for some reason, I loved it in New mm -hmm. York. 
Um, and like New York is so hilly. It's not normally yeah. a course that I would like. Like I don't generally like hilly courses, but I really enjoyed that marathon. It was really tough, but um, I loved it. It was yeah. a really good experience. You still ran 226, so a really solid time um, yeah. on that course. But, yeah, I, I felt like the the buzz of the city is just incredible there. And I don't know, like I, I was like eight eight people deep, um, you know, trying to get a glimpse of my mum running. Like it just felt like it was crazy how many yeah. people line the whole way around, like all of the boroughs. Yeah, it was like everyone gets into it and, um, yeah, it's such a great, great, great atmosphere there. I think one of the things in New York is people actually live in the city, so they just have to come outside their doorstep um, and it's it's happening, whereas other cities, yeah, um, maybe people not actually living in the city as much. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. So it's, a, yeah. it's a cool marathon, definitely on my bucket list in the future. Yeah, for sure. You yeah, also I did um, recommend it. four half marathons in 2019. Um, they were all sub-70 and, and one was sub-69. You went 68-55 in Marigami. Um then first placed on the Gold Coast, second placed at the Sunshine Coast um, half marathon champs, and then the the Great North Run. So you fit in quite a few um, road races in that year, and I guess we're perfecting your craft over the half marathon too. Yeah, um, I didn't realize actually I did that many yeah. <laughs> that year, um, but I remember Gold Coast was that was the year that it rained really really heavily. Okay. Um, so we were running through. I have never seen it like that before. But like huge, um, pod, like puddles. It was. We were drenched. It was like a bad day. Uh, so yeah, I won that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two weeks later, Sunshine Coast. We actually got a really nice day. Um, but I didn't feel great that day. I had been sick the week leading in. Yeah. And I feel like I, ha- I haven't really. I feel like I can still go a lot faster in that. Definitely. Half. Yeah. Well, you ran your PB yeah. the, fo- the following year in 2020 at Marigami, 68.50. So um, you've been around that mark yeah. before, but I feel like there's there's a good minute there that you could slice off. Yeah. And like I was hoping to do it this year, but then given, with the injury and everything didn't work out. But And when I ran 68.50, like I, I remember going out way too hard in that race. Like we went through, myself and Charlotte went through 10K and so 32. Wow. And then things quickly unraveled after that so had I pasted better I would mm. I think I would have gotten a lot faster so hopefully you know I'm keen to get my half marathon time down a bit yeah certainly sure. it's hard with that race so just having done it once like the start is really fast and starting with the mm. men too like it's hard not to go out really hard um and and I feel like you come up you're almost coming uphill on the turnaround like slightly very slightly yeah um, so it's slightly down yeah the first 10, 11K, and then, yeah, on the turnover. So, so you have the to, uphill all the way home. Yeah, be ready to, like, run faster first half, but but not so much that you're going to, yeah, like, set yourself up for, yeah, you know, for, exactly. for feeling like you're flailing in the second half. Um, and then, obviously, yeah. like, COVID came around. Um, I guess 2020 was the London year of the – was that the London loop? So was that 2020? That was 2021. Um, yeah, yeah, 20, 2020 was, like, kind of pre-COVID. I feel like you guys did oh, – yeah, um, so the 2K loop was 2020. Oh, 2K was 2020, right. Because it was pre-Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and so we had to get, like, because it was during COVID, we had to get, like, special uh, permission to, like, travel over um, to get into the race. It yeah. was so bizarre to look back on it now, like, such a crazy experience. It was like we were, we were in this bubble and... 
um, so restricted and everything we could mm-hmm. do and just we could only run in the hotel that we were staying at like just around the hotel surrounds and had security guards making sure we didn't you know did I hear you had like buzzes you had like buzzes that you couldn't oh, like go right, near yeah. people yeah god I thought about that crazy <laughs> I had to wear these buzzers and if we got too close to anyone they'd just start beeping so it was so surreal really yeah and we got again we got really unlucky with the weather it was a terrible day raining and windy and the 2k loop I was didn't like it at all oh that's um, just way too short so I 2K. had gone into that one <laughs> yeah I had gone into that one thinking I could break the record like training had gone really well mm-hmm. but I actually think I overtrained mm-hmm. um leading into that one so I was really I kind of hit a wall about just before I left for London I was like oh no like what have I done I can't I just went backwards quite a bit mm-hmm. but I hoped I would have recovered like by the time the race came around but I definitely hadn't like I felt really really crap on the day mm. like really heavy and so it was just a matter of survival really that race yeah just feel like you overtrained just got yourself in a bit, bit of a hole yeah. yeah yeah I guess that can happen too when when you feel like something like a really big goal like a record isn't in, in reach you just keep pushing that yeah. a little bit more a little bit more and um, maybe don't take the rest you need typical athlete mindset just to push harder and push harder and push yeah. harder rather than go on well this is going to be counterproductive if you yeah. if you go too hard and that's the first time I think I've ever done that mm. so it was a good learning experience for me because I just thought I can just push continue to push mm-hmm. as hard as I, as I want um but no you can't do that you can't <laughs> catch us up to you yeah I mean you still ran you still ran 227 like obviously not way anywhere yeah. near where you would have wanted but it was like a solid nonetheless in the conditions and um yeah. eighth yeah, place like it was still respectable it? like still a good time yeah but not not what I had gone in yeah for. yeah yeah and not um, what I felt reflected my training yeah of course yeah I'm interested when you started wearing um a heart rate monitor because I know you've talked about like um like you at some stage you slow down your easy runs and you um, started paying more attention to your to your heart rate data yeah it might have been after that actually yeah okay it might have been because I then got really worried about overtraining for mm. quite a while um and I, I'm not sure if it was after that marathon but after another marathon I was wearing a heart rate monitor and even though my runs felt really easy like my heart rate was like mm. super high and I was like well this just shows that I actually don't really know when I'm fully recovered and mm. I need to I need some more information so that rather than me just going off and overtraining again, I wanted to monitor my heart rate and like keep it more controlled. Mm. So I did that for quite a while. Um, but then I became too obsessed with my heart rate. I think. Um, Typical yeah, runner. Was, oh God, yeah. <laughs> and I was, it was dictating too much of everything and I was getting stressed out about what my heart rate was and what it should be and I just needed to chill out a bit and I actually lost the charger for my heart rate monitor so then I stopped wearing it for a while <laughs> but now that I'm cross training I'm back with yeah. the heart rate monitor yeah. again because otherwise you can't really tell how you're going because in the pool when you're pool running it's not about how far you go oh yeah <laughs> I just want to yeah. make sure my heart rate is up yeah and again on the bike on the stationary bike like I just want my heart rate I just want to work my heart rate um it's not about you know making a certain distance on the bike or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah back to yeah there's a time training. and place for it where it's important I, I wear it for elliptical or um any of my thresholds just so I can check in but I, yeah I feel like if you were looking at it every single run 
you'd start to be like, oh, got to slow down. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's what I was like. <laughs> I just wasn't enjoying my runs. Then. Yeah. So then my easy runs were becoming a chore rather than just going out and just enjoying it, mm. which generally I do. Like I love my second run. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, I just felt like I need to stop wearing it. And like for my thresholds as well, my heart rate was always pretty much the same. Like it didn't, I didn't really need to wear it or track it. Like I, I know by feel really mm. how hard to push it in threshold yeah and that's an important skill to learn I guess is just to know you know yeah. the feels of paces and, and where your heart rate sits for, for for any session my marathon sessions generally I know how that should feel yeah um so I'm pretty good with that and like you're not going to be in a marathon being like oh heart rate's 176 heart, yeah. better <laughs> slow <laughs> down <laughs> yeah so um probably yeah, your right. your best placing um and and race of your career so far apart from your marathon is your 10th place finish at the olympics in, in 2021 the postponed game so um look this was really challenging conditions in sephora it was it was warm um but you you hung on and, and you ran a brilliant race um yeah tell us how did that play out for you yeah so um that was a really challenging lead up with all the covid restrictions and that mm-hmm. Um, but we were really fortunate in that, like Athletics Australia um, helped us out a lot um, just by getting us to, like, we went to Canberra for a few weeks to train and Carlos came with us and they really helped us out with that build up. And then we were in Cairns before that. Um, It was really good because it was uh, quite warm there. So we got, you know, some heat training, heat adaptation. Um, Again, for that, race I was really fit but I uh, I remember on one Sunday it was because it was really hot in Cairns and I I was also going to the sauna and just overdid it doing um uh rugged up second runs mm. so I was like overdoing it a bit and I remember feeling really tired on the second week there and I went to the track to do the session and I just completely bombed I just could not I just couldn't hit the paces at all and I was like oh my god I've done it again like I've done this overtraining um this is going to be what happened in London that year I've just stopped up my my Olympic race etc but um because I had had the experience before leading into London I was like all right I need to like I need to pull back now so and Carlos was there with me. He was like, "You just do like run thirty minutes for the next few days. That's it, no more." And I came good again. So by the by the weekend, I was kind of feeling back to myself. Um, and the following week, I, I had my final hard session before the race, and it went really well. So I was like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> yeah, the bullet there. Um, and then in Sapporo, you know, we had that. Um, we were kind of confined to the hotel. Um, we were allowed out to train once a day and uh, we had to get a bus to this um, really not a very nice kind of a, I don't know, it was like a, I don't know what it was really, like an old kind of, an, not an ice rink, but an old disheveled building. It wasn't there much. There was a path around it. Yeah, it was just all kind of concrete and then a bitumen path around it. And then in the surrounds around that was this gorgeous green, huge park, <laughs> which yeah. would have been amazing to train in. But we were we we had to train in this one particular loop, so that was challenging. Um, and then 
Yeah, the night before our race, um, uh, the weather forecast has shown that it was going to be hotter than they expected. And so the whole reason we moved to Sapporo was because it's going to be cooler than Tokyo. Um, but then they had a heat wave in Sapporo that week. So it was actually hotter in Sapporo than in Tokyo. Classic. Uh, yeah, classic. Um, and they brought the race forward an hour, um, which meant it was a, a little bit better. What time did you feel? Did you find out about that, though? 7 p.m. That's the pretty late. Like, yeah. yeah. And so it kind of caused me a little bit of panic mm. with everyone. Um, just about like what time you eat and like all those things and yeah. trying to get any sleep beforehand. Yeah. And because, you know, ideally you probably want to eat earlier if you're going to have to go to bed a bit earlier and stuff. But um, but it, in the end, it was like it was a good move. Like it was definitely better to finish. Yeah. Like when we finished, I think, uh, it was, I can't remember, in the 30s. Um, so had we been running for an hour in that heat, it would have been a lot worse. Like it was still, it was very hot during the race. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I guess had decided the night before that I was going to be really conservative in the first half. Um, I just got a bit freaked out about, um, I have had heat stroke before mm. in a race where I didn't respect the conditions and just went out too hard and then, uh, blew up and, I uh, can't remember the last K of my race wow. and stuff. Um, and I knew that the boys would be at home watching and I didn't want them to see me like collapsing on the side mm. of the road from heat exhaustion or anything. Um, so I was like, I'm going to behave in this race and I'm going to be really conservative for the first half. And thank God I did because um, it would have been very tough had I gone out, you know, I guess faster than I did. Uh, I did try and stick with the pack at the lead pack initially. Um, but I found that when they were picking up their drinks, it surged really hard afterwards. And it, I was gen like gradually catching up to them. But then the next drink stopped, the same thing would happen. Um, so I didn't want to do that again. So I just ran my own race in that mm -hmm. one. And by 30k, I mean, I was like exhausted and everything, but I was still able to pick it up a little bit. And uh, I think I negative split in the race. Um, yeah, so good. The sprint at the finish to get the top ten. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, you were like so strong and just so well um, thought out to be, yeah, smart early on and and just run run your own race, and it certainly paid off. And yeah, it was yeah. pretty I mean, amazing result. It's funny in the race because you've no idea where what your position is. So when I was coming up to the finish and I saw the girl ahead of me, I was like, I don't know what I'm sprinting for here. It could be, you know. <laughs> position 28 yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it was it ended up being a significant one so I'm mm. glad I yeah made shows you've, you've always got a um yeah sprint to the finish line and yeah every every second every, every place mounts yeah definitely yeah. yeah now it's a it's interesting to hear your leading though I didn't realize it was so I guess yeah challenging not feeling good the week before but uh, it shows that your experience with overtraining a couple of years earlier in, in um that London build-up really paid off um you know when, yeah. it when it mattered you were able to be like hang on I've been yeah. here before this is not a place where I want to be I need to yeah I was like I need myself out now. of the hole yeah yeah rather than when I did it before I just kept training I was like oh yeah. I feel this terrible today but I need to go harder I need to go harder yeah and I did that for like a couple of weeks and by then it's if the damage is done mm -hmm. whereas this time I was like okay stop now and like fix this <laughs> mm. Yeah, so it's hard to know, like when you're training for a marathon, like 
being tired and being fatigued and it is normal, but it's, yeah, you have to figure out for you what, what is normal and what's yeah, too much. And nobody can really tell you. Yeah. You have to figure it out yourself and you're only going to get that with experience. Mm. After the Olympics, you had hotel quarantine, um, but then you had a very quick turnaround uh, to do London in October. Yeah. <laughs> how was that? How did you do four weeks of hotel quarantine? Um, four weeks. Did no, you do weeks. like two after the Olympics oh, and then sorry. two after, um, yeah. after London? Oh, yeah, and I had done two before that. So I've actually done six weeks of yeah. hotel quarantine. Which is but in like a pretty small block you did. Um, you did that four weeks. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was awful. Like I think um, after the Olympics, the two weeks was okay, um, and I knew I was doing London, so um, I was focused on that. But then um, when I got to London, and I think I I just started way too fast for the amount of training that I had done. Mm-hmm. Um, like as I said, it was a six week gap. So I trained really for four weeks and that was with a little bit of a taper. Mm. And I went out at 2.23 pace. Oh, no. And then by 15K, I was like, ooh, not good. Because I had actually, my training in that four-week block had gone really good. So I was going faster than I ever had been, but I just didn't have the endurance to back me up, to back that up. Um, So I thought I was in really good shape and I would have been for a 10K or mm-hmm. anything shorter, but not for a marathon. The long stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I just was too ambitious in that race. Yeah. But um, I still needed to run, I think, sub 228 to get my appearance B. Uh. <laughs> that then became my new target. Once I yeah. fell back, and I started to struggle. I was like, all right, I need to pull it together and like just get a uh, solid make race. sure I get this yeah, yeah. 228 in and not to continue, continue mm-hmm. to push this pace that I know... I will completely obliterate myself by 30k. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty um, like your your quote bad days, like sit around the 227, and um, you know I know that's not like where you want to be, but for for an off day, it's a pretty good like um, solid like. Yeah, you, know, you you don't really have any of these like real big blow ups. Like you seem to be able to even when you go out pretty hard and that hasn't worked out you've you've been able to kind of like reel it in for a solid day I know that didn't happen um in Nagoya the following year um and we'll talk about that experience but um it's pretty commendable that you can like you know pull it together um and still get a result like that on the board yeah I guess I I, like in those races I've kind of caught it in time to go yeah you're not you're not going to maintain this to the finish so you need to go to plan b Mm -hmm. rather than like just having one strategy going in and, and trying to stick to it like you need an, another plan if it's not going well you need to yeah. go okay I re- need to rethink this mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so yeah the following following year in, in 2022 um you ran Nagoya I was on that trip pacing I had such yeah. a fun time with you girls and feel like I, I yeah learned a lot from from all of you and feel pretty grateful to to be a sponge off you um but obviously <laughs> we, we had the week in Chiba oh it was so that. good I was saying, Elsie and I were saying, like, we haven't slept that well in <laughs> since then. <laughs> it was so yeah. quiet. <laughs> it's like a spa, a girls' spa weekend. Yeah, away. it was, it was great. so good. It was it. so good. But yeah, you, uh, Charlotte was pacing you. Um, Ruth went out pretty, pretty quick, and and pretty quickly it was just Charlotte um, pacing yourself, and um, you know, 
obviously that day you, you kind of were going for that that record time um, and um, it, it went pear-shaped at some stage yeah. later in the race. So after we left Chiba and we went to the race hotel, um, I think you, you probably remember this. Remember it was really so warm hot in the rooms? Yeah. yeah. So the first night I just could not sleep at all. Um, I was like, oh, he's down. So that was the Thursday night. I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, so I remember trying to get a fan or something, I don't know, for the next night. But then I was all stressed about not having slept the previous night. Mm-hmm. So then I didn't sleep that night. It adds up. And then the night before the race, I generally don't sleep that well. So yeah, I never three do. nights of not sleeping well. I was sick, like felt terrible. Mm. And I don't know what was wrong with me. I was just intent on going out at mm. this pace. I should have changed it, definitely. Like I felt shocking the morning of the race. Still went out with Charlotte at probably, I think, 220 pace. Yeah, like was quick. Even faster than... I just wasn't thinking straight. Mm. And um, I remember like picking up my bottles and not drinking the drinks, just chucking it because I was mm. all flustered. And I mean, talk about unraveling. Like I just, I was so stupid, really, like going out really fast, not getting my drinks in. And by 30K, I was just in a bit of a, like I was still, I can't remember what pace I was on then. I had fallen back a bit, but still on a decent time. Um, but by th- I think at 35k you know the hill mm, yeah that's that's tough that yeah got me. Elsie said she was coming up behind me and like I was swaying yeah on the hill and she was like oh um uh, but I I didn't realize that then and I remember at around 39k just like the glare from the ground and I like I was wobbling and uh it just everything I just could only see the like the concrete in front of me and I was like and then I tripped a few times Mm. I thought I'm gonna fall flat on my face here and then I just had to walk for a bit and then I couldn't start running again and then I just remember going over to the side of the road and I was like I just need to sleep for a little bit I just need to lie down and then these guys came over to me and I was like I just want to get to the like how do I get to the finish like I've pulled out, how do I get to the finish? And they were like, no, this is you not, can the do it. not the finish. <laughs> they were trying to push me out under the road. I was like, oh, I just want to lie here on the curb. I need to sleep. <laughs> and I'm just sleep deprived. <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. And then I can't really, I remember then um, people coming over to pick me up on a stretcher mm. and they brought me into some tent or something. I can't really remember. And then they were telling me they had to bring me to the hospital I was like, oh, my God, no, I just need to get to the finish. I just need to go to the finish. And I wanted to get my bag and stuff or whatever. Mm. Um, so that was all really, that was awful. Was yeah, really it sounds upset. terrible. And like that was at 39K. I just, yeah, so close. So close. Um, yeah, so that was the hard And you went to hospital and you had a, what, on a drip. Like you were dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah completely dehydrated. Yeah. Um, and then I was just really like upset and embarrassed mm. and everything didn't want to race again for a long time but then understandably nick had messaged me he was like just you know i think a week later saying do you want to do a gifu marathon i was like no or a half marathon i was like no definitely not he was like come on Sinead, you need to get back to it get back into it and not yeah. be afraid. like i just didn't want to race again at all yeah. for a long time yeah and that one actually ended up going really well so i kind of it's amazing the best yeah thing to do yeah well I, I remember it being very hot in the rooms and and having that same issue obviously I wasn't so concerned you know I was there pacing but 
um this year around I like got a fan I like I was all over it because they they leave like it they leave like the central heating on overnight and I think they're still like in like quote winter so you can't actually change the the heat you can't change the settings in your room so it, it was really warm and like I remember you feeling you being a little seemed a little tense, but I didn't um, you know, yeah, it, it seemed I like spiraled for that one. But it's yeah. such a le- learning experience and like um, you know, it was somewhat of a warmer morning too. Um I mean yeah. the world's changing a bit from what we expect to get in Japan in, in March. But um yeah, scary experience for you. You never want to end up in hospital and, and feeling, you know, feeling like you can't you physically are like falling over. But yeah. I'm sure you've like taken away a lot from that, and it shows that like that was 2022 early, like nine months yeah. later or whatever. You break the Australian record, so um, it shows that like you had you had it there all along, and you knew you could do it. It just was a matter of like getting it right on the day. Yeah, getting it right on the day, and um, just because your training says you can do something doesn't mean you should blindly go and follow mm. that. Like I, I should have readjusted my expectations for that race, given like my sleep and just how mm. I was feeling and that and I didn't mm. and it's hard with the marathon though you don't you only get so many opportunities a year and um you, you hold on to hope that like it's gonna go well like that those yeah. small things that on the day you'll wake up and not sleeping for three nights that won't have mattered like you'll be fresh as yeah. a daisy <laughs> and then like I remember thinking in the race you know I, I thought before the race oh I'll be able to slow down if I don't feel well but when you're in it it's very hard to do that. Mm. And I remember looking at my watch going, oh, that's okay. It was still like a 320. That's fine. That's fine. Even though I felt terrible. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't like thinking, yeah, it's okay now. You can do it now, Sinead, but in 10K. What's going to happen? This yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. You're going to unravel really badly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And Com, Com Games, um, middle of the year, I was lucky enough to be in St. Ritz um, in the lead up with you and, and Jess and Elsie and, it was a challenging time. Like you got COVID, um, you had a glute injury in the lead up. Um, I know that was like certainly not the ideal prep um, that you wanted yeah. to be going into, but, um, you know, coming fifth and, and and running how you did, like I think um, even you would have to say like you did as much as you could on the day and like with the preparation you had, like um, yeah. we were all so proud of, 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 of all three of you. But, yeah, I know how much kind of went into getting you to the start line there. Yeah, like it was a lot. It because I had built up com games in my head so much like I mm. thought you know this is a race I could meddle in mm-hmm. um but from the moment I left Australia things just went wrong and like I had Colin and the boys with me so it was kind of um almost magnified because I felt like we all got COVID mm. we were in this beautiful place in St. Moritz and we're all like in our apartment <laughs> just all sick for a week so sad um and then when I got back to trying to run then have my glute injury and you know I was so down about that and I didn't want to be like that in front of the boys Mm. um so it was really difficult actually that um I was in the most beautiful place in the world and I felt terrible like Mm. really kind of upset I guess that there was only a, couple, a few weeks till Com Games, and my training had gone really terrible since I left Australia. Even though it was going really good beforehand, mm. um, so yeah, I was I wasn't sure I was going to make the start line for that one. I kind of thought I should have pulled out beforehand. That's what I was thinking of on pull out because my glute just wasn't right, and it was still really sore um, leading in. But I just 
couldn't justify pulling out mm. after you know getting a spot on the team and going all the way there and after everything I'd been through and the, the with the boys and Colin and everything they were there especially for me so I just felt like I'd be letting everyone down if I mm. didn't and I'm actually really glad that I did That's like good. I was really proud of how I raced and to come fifth after after that kind of a lead in you know was really good so I couldn't have done much more so mm, and I definitely was, I would have been give. I would have been really upset if I pulled out. So I was glad. I yeah, yeah. Finished as well. I'm sure you would have regretted um, not running if you if you hadn't made that yeah. decision. And yeah. I'm glad it went well enough that you could enjoy it and yeah, walk away proud of of what you did. Yeah, like I was worried about doing more damage, but I had I got an MRI and it wasn't a bone stress, and they were pretty much saying just run on it. You know, you won't do it. It won't get much worse, and it actually didn't. I just took like two weeks off after that. Um, pretty much and yeah it came good that's good and then your next marathon was 10 minutes faster 231 <laughs> 34 down to 221 34 All right. <laughs> I think something like that yeah at least yeah. around the 10 minute mark so yeah it shows that yeah certainly can turn things around um one race to the other yeah I mean like I've done like 15 marathons and there's only a handful that have gone really well there's always mm. been something else for the others uh it's mad how often that happens but I think yeah. it's because because all the little things are magnified in the marathon um so I feel really lucky that Valencia like turned out really well and I was able to line everything up and yeah finally get the time a time that I was felt like I could do yeah you know there are a lot, a lot of a lot of people um who, who knew you were capable of that and you know, for a couple of years, I've been wondering when and, and if you might kind of pull something like that out. Um, who knew how you've been training and and, yeah. and knew how much you've been putting into it? So, yeah, a lot of people um, weren't surprised when you did it, but so happy for you because we know how much, um, you know, you, it's hard in running. You can't really say you deserve a result, but you really, you yeah. know, you really worked <laughs> for it and you laid yourself out there a couple of times and to see you're awarded with that time was just, yeah, really, really happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like really fortunate because it doesn't ha always happen that way. You know, mm -hmm. majority of athletes like throw themselves into it and give it everything. And then race results sometimes don't show that. And that's so disappointing. And yeah, so when, you know, when it does work out, you feel lucky and relieved. And yeah. Yeah. So what's on your bucket list still then? There's certainly more things you want to achieve. <laughs> half marathon PB. Well, half marathon. I need to improve that time. Yeah. Um, I also need to improve my 3K time, but I think I might let that one go. <laughs> yeah. Look, my 800, my, my 800 on World Athletics is 218. I just think I'm going to have to <laughs> deal with that for the rest of my career. Oh, actually, Joel was slagging me off about my 1500 meter. Really? <laughs> I think it's like 431. <laughs> but I'm just going to let that one go. No, yeah. I would have run probably faster in training than We've all got one that is just like silly. Like I think Stewie still hasn't broken two minutes on his like profile, but certainly he's done that in training, like at the yeah. back end of a race, start of a race, like oh, so yeah, many times. I feel like I need to pick my battle, so I'm just yeah. gonna let those on the slide. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would love to improve my half marathon time, mm -hmm. and um, obviously Paris is a big goal for me. Um, I would love to. I mean, obviously, I'd love to try and go faster than the time I've done, but I 
in saying that, I know how how hard it is to get it right. Yeah, it is and how long it's taken me to get to this point. Um, but you know, maybe I'll get another everything. Yeah, and maybe I'll get another day when everything lines up. Who knows? Yeah, um, yeah. But um, I'll just have to see how training goes, and yeah. Yeah, well, certainly cemented yourself um, for for Paris next year, and um, exciting to be a, a part of the the marathoners of um, of the time at the moment. It's such an incredible um, yeah time for women's distance running and, and the marathon, especially. And um, yeah, thank you for leading the charge for us and showing us what's possible. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, like we've got so many. It's so funny how competitive women's marathon running is in Australia now compared to a few years ago. Um, like when I made that first mm. team <laughs> at the World Champs for Beijing, like, you know, that time now, I would be nowhere near making a team. Um, and I remember at the time, the 10K. Yeah, the really, standards certainly improved. It was the 10K that was really competitive for women. Um, but now it seems to be the marathon. Yeah. yeah, it goes in waves. And, yeah, people have asked, yeah, you know, say, say to me, you know, why the marathon? It's so competitive, but... There's something about being a part of something um, like the marathon with people, you know, pushing themselves to the next level. And I don't know, there's something about it. Like once you get the bug, it's hard to shake it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, so. <laughs> well, well, thank yeah. you so much for chatting <laughs> sure. to me today. I really appreciate, um, yeah, getting to hear about your career and just doing the research a little bit for chatting to you today. Like I was, like I know you well and I know a lot about you, but just kind of seeing the progression on paper, it's pretty incredible. Um what you've been able to achieve and um yeah certainly very excited for what's ahead for you too oh thanks Izzy and a pleasure well we'll chat soon thanks again prep for supporting this episode head over to www.preptydration.com.au to try prep today prep is the ultimate hydration for runners 